We are in an important time frame on the planet. We could call this a great awakening in consciousness, which is helping the planet transition from darkness to light. This planet has been a dark planet for some thousands of years now. We have only to read the history books to know this to be true. Many spiritual masters and avatars have incarnated here to help seed light on the planet. This has not been an easy task, since the powers that be have often sought to kill the messenger and twist the message. We only need to look at the history of Christianity to know this. We are now in a time predicted by so many prophecies. A time of great darkness, followed by great light. In this transition process, we're moving from fear and separation consciousness to love and unity consciousness. In order to awaken and assist this process on the planet, we must turn and face ourselves, our own ego. In many spiritual circles, the ego gets a bad press. Many spiritual teachers suggest that the ego is our spiritual enemy. The thinking goes something like this. The ego is our false sense of identity. It is a mental construct, one that creates untold emotional drama that blocks spiritual awakening. Now there may be some truth in this, but the usual suggested solution to attack or kill the ego or try and cast it as something bad or demonic or evil is not really helpful. Actually, in my experience, this creates something even more difficult to deal with. I have met many spiritual teachers that claim that they do not have an ego. Such teachers tend to create chaos and mayhem in their wake all the while berating the ego of their students and ignoring their own ego in the various dramas they create. Over the years, many spiritual teachers have toppled off of their lofty pedestals. A challenge in this area is around the term enlightenment used by many teachers. There are many that claim or allude to such a status. I tend to be very wary of anyone making such claims. As we know, there is no agreed standard on enlightenment. As a generalized term, it's useful, for it indicates an individual who is open to more light within all layers of their being, all layers of their personality. Light in the physical body, light in the etheric, energetic body, light in the emotional body, light in the mental body, and an awakening of the spiritual bodies. The more an individual on the path of ascension opens their being to light, the more their higher nature, the higher self, becomes the captain of their ship. This is a great blessing since we may feel more guided in our earthwalk, more aligned with synchronicities. We may feel ourselves to be more in the flow. This is not possible when our ego is in charge of our decisions and actions, of course. Transforming the ego is an essential aspect of the ascension process. In this process, we need great honesty and compassion. We do not need to attack or berate the ego. There is an approach that's more loving and produces better long-term results. 
This approach I call ego awareness to ego transformation. What is the difference between ego and the authentic self? Well, this can be a hard one since the ego around us has been developing since the womb. Perhaps we could say that our authentic self is pure awareness beyond any emotional reaction or intellectual judgments. There are times in our life, of course, when we touch something magical, even for a second. Seeing a gorgeous sunrise, being a witness to the birth of a child, going into a deep meditation, or just having some experience on a spiritual retreat. These are points of reference that point to something bigger, something deeper within the depths of our being. Such experiences are signposts to a deeper experience existing beyond all our earthly coping mechanisms. The ego is not a fixed something. It's not a specific thing. It's made up of many different energies and beliefs that we acquire over our lifetime. The ego develops to help us cope in an uncertain world, and in the 3D world, we need an ego to survive. We are born in this world helpless, vulnerable, dependent on others for our survival. Perhaps we begin to associate our mother's voice with comfort or safety. It seems at the beginning there is no separation between us and mother. Mother is our universe. Gradually as we grow up, we realize there's something beyond mother. We make new associations. Some of them light, some of them dark. Perhaps we fear the dark, being, being left alone in the dark. Perhaps we have a, a feeling of safety and happiness when we're fed or when we're asleep in our cot. Through all these associations, we slowly evolve a concept of I and other. The older we get, the more complex these associations become. We call these associations energy belief groupings or sub-personalities. The ego is not one fixed thing. The ego is fluid, made up of energy belief associations or sub-personalities. These sub-personalities hold very different perspectives on life and on what we need to cope or thrive. We can have a sub-personality that's quite pleasing and accommodating. On the contrary, we can have one that's quite rebellious in nature. We may have one part that feels very ambitious, wanting to make our mark in the world, where another part can be very chilled out and not really worried about that. It's very common to have very opposite energy belief associations or sub-personalities within our uh, energy field. Although one or more will tend to be dominant while the other complementary ones will stay in the shadows. We can think of the ego as a collection of computer programs. Computer programs that get triggered in certain situations. The dominant program can get switched off for a time, allowing another program to come into play, of course. So, for example, we may have a very strong achiever producer that wants us to get out and do something in the world. But if we go on holiday, have a few drinks, meet some friends, another part may come up. The part that likes chilling by the beach, watching the sun go down. Perhaps a hard-working, studious woman goes out dancing and meets a young man. Suddenly, she's confronted with new feelings. She enjoys the company of this man, finding herself laughing at things she would normally consider silly. Romantic feelings emerge that feel unfamiliar yet pleasant. 
There are many more examples of how our dominant personality is put to sleep to allow something else to arise. One of the things I've found when working with subpersonalities with clients is that every energy in our energy field is balanced by its opposite, even if the person is not consciously aware of that energy. Part of the spiritual journey is developing an awareness of all ourselves, especially the ones that operate in the shadows. These are the ones that can sabotage your efforts since they are operating on quite different agendas than that to our dominant uh, personalities. Another reason to develop awareness of all our subpersonalities is the moment we step on a spiritual path and embrace more light, this shakes up our whole personality system. Some subpersonalities may not like our spiritual aspirations. They may seek to block our path, trip us up. This is why the spiritual teachers have often labeled the ego as bad and something that we need to get rid of. Perhaps our conditioning from family, education or religion makes us wary of the spiritual path. Perhaps we have past life trauma that blocks us from desiring to fully commit to this spiritual journey in this lifetime. On the other hand, some subpersonalities may actually support and desire the journey we're, we're on. These become allies just as much as any spiritual guide or angel can be. How do we know if we have a negative ego problem? Well, one of the simplest ways is to ask yourself, do I feel blocked in any area of my life, particularly my spiritual life? There are other clues, other questions you can ask yourself. A good one would be, do I feel superior to others for any reason? On the other hand, do I feel inferior to any other for any reason? If the answer is yes to any of these questions, then you know you have some work to do. There's another clue, another telltale sign about the negative ego is if we notice that we have a real strong need to be right. If we angrily argue, angrily defend, cannot back down, cannot admit to being wrong or making a mistake, then again we have work in this area. If we compare ourselves to another, if we believe someone is more intelligent, beautiful or successful, then we have work to do. If we play the blame game, then again, we have work to do. So what about ego awareness to ego transformation? In spiritual coaching sessions, I've encountered many subpersonalities in clients that often oppose their journey or their stated goals. This is very common and something that needs to be met if the journey is to continue with any meaningful momentum. Some subpersonalities, for example, can block our chakras from fully opening, a common one being the throat, the expression center, and the third eye, our vision center. A very common experience or reason for blocking is when an energy inside us remembers some past life experience. All we need to do is think about Spanish Inquisition and we'll get the idea why some parts of us might, may feel the need to block our path in case of something awful happening again. Another issue very common is subpersonalities that work against each other or do not work in harmony. I had a client who had a lifelong problem because of this issue. 
One part of her was an over-generous hippie that welcomed everyone to stay in her home. Sure, come on over, you'll love it here, was the kind of standard uh, response. That was all very well, but she had another part, which we could call her clean-up manager, who would come in a few days afterwards saying, What are you doing? You do not know these people. Where are your boundaries? And this quickly led to a very different conversation, often over email, about boundaries of time and money, which left many friends, potential friends and guests, bewildered and confused. The solution in this case was very simple. Just get the two sub-personalities to work together at the same time rather than at different speeds. Now this may sound very simple, yet when we did the work, the young woman cried for some time. The energy shift was simple yet very profound. In working with clients, I found that blocking sub-personalities really want to help us. It's just that they do not always know how to help. Perhaps the sub-personality developed a strategy at the young age that no longer really works in our adult years. Uh, you only have to think about people who have tantrums, for example. It may work as a five-year-old, but not as a 35-year-old. These energies want to help. They just need to know a better way. Once a sub-personality is shown a better way to channel that energy, they usually adopt that strategy. It's very common for clients to have a desire for something to happen and an equal and opposite desire at the same time for something else to happen. Now this could be like driving a car where one person is pulling the steering wheel one way and another in the passenger seat is pulling the steering wheel the other way. Not only does this waste an incredible amount of psychic energy, it also puts an unnecessary strain on the person's physical health. Working with sub-personalities and getting them to work in harmony with each other helps to neutralize any resistance or unconscious sabotage going on inside a person. I've noticed over the years that some sub-personalities are so worn out doing what they're doing that they really need to be sent to convalescence. This is a simple process with the help of a person's higher self and guides. There are temples of light to help with this work. The aim of this work is to help untangle unnecessary blocks in a client's energy field. It also makes the whole family of selves feel safe and a strong container to enable more light to be held in the energy bodies, thus facilitating the spiritual path and forward momentum. If you want more information on this work, just drop me a line through my website. Many blessings, much love.